Hash House and Circle Up. Welcome to On On, the Hash House Harrier podcast for interviews, history, and stories. I'm your host, Ra. On the podcast today, from Canada in Ottawa, we've got a hasher who started in Asia, came back to North America, been hashing for decades. It's Deli Belly. Welcome, Deli Belly. Hey, raw, on, on, indeed. Great to be here. Tell us when and where and how you started hashing. I left Vancouver on an assignment. The Canadian High Commission to New Delhi got there around November 1986. It was a big change, obviously, from a place in Vancouver to uh, India. I was in a bit of a shock about it all. But fortunately, there was a hasher where I worked. He saw I was a little bit down at the doldrums about how was I going to survive there. He said, there's this club we're going to go to on Monday nights. It's kind of a social running club, but it's big here with all the expats. Quite a few Indians, too. I was taken to my first New Delhi hash run. It had been begun by a rather legendary hasher named Avi Bindra, Loves Chicken. The British traditions of India Raj and from Britain were there. There was a GM, was an Aussie named Alan Valtis, was an RA, uh, Don Kilpatrick, a Canadian. They were great. They were loud and proud GMs, great RAs. And just the whole camaraderie of it all, I saw that it was welcome. It didn't matter how high or low your station was. A great weekend state organization out of the city, which you needed to kind of stay sane there. They'd take their help, but we'd set up camp in some old Maharaja's palace. Things, just incredible things in and out of the city that otherwise I would never have seen. So I became addicted, to, and I was there in Delhi for three years. How'd they, how'd they handle the beer back then? How big was the hash? Probably 60, 70, 80 people, even on a Monday night. And there was very not so much else to do socially. This is kind of India before it really opened up the free trade. It was was a great way to blow off steam and very economical. The beer, all the they had uh, big vats of beer and ice all the time. Indian beer too, some of it a bit glycerin, so uh, you had to watch it. But it was good, and the trails were great. They made a good long shiggy trail if you wanted that. Usually there was a shortcut for those who wanted less shiggy. And why did they put glycerin in the beer? I don't know. It, it was just some something about the beer there. I, I was told that, and I noticed if you drank too much of it, you could have a headache like you'd never had before. Still good beer. I, I don't mean to put it down. No, we had great times. And did you get your hash name on that hash? Well, there, because it was the land of the British Raj, I put on a solar topi safari hat. I ran around in that. Sometimes even had my servant's son run with my beer cooler. And I got named the Viceroy. The, by the time I was done, three years later, I, they gave commemorative silver mugs name on for how many runs you'd done. When I got there, they had they had just passed their 200th run anniversary in 86. They must have started early 80s. I was hooked on it. I said, this is great. Sometimes there were events out of the country. I heard about the Interhash in 88, which I think was in Bangkok, but I didn't get to that. Later on, I transferred on to Hong Kong. There I got more into the larger regional hashes. Viceroy, that's not your hash name today. It got changed along the way? The Delhi Belly. I, I joined the Little Saiwan Hash in Hong Kong. As you know, there's so much hashing in Hong Kong every night of the week. But the Little Saiwan ran on Wednesday, and that just really worked out for me work-wise. And I wasn't there very long. I said, I'm the Viceroy that come in from India. And GM had one look at me and my pot belly at that point. You're no Viceroy. You're a Delhi Belly. You got to accept what the GM says. So I was renamed. I think it's a good name for you. Hong Kong is a place where time 
typhoons hit. I have heard about the famous typhoon runs that they do. Were you on yeah. any of those? Yeah, I think I, there was one or two that the hash was on regardless of the weather. And one, I had a friend visiting from Canada, Headshit. We were up in the hills above Hong Kong. They, you're close to the city. It got dark. There was this storm, this typhoon. He got lost. Couldn't find him. He ended up the night wet and cold, but he survived. Uh-huh. Hails from the trails. Uh, do junk boat trips sometimes out to a very famous bar on one of the islands. It was called the Frog and Toad. It was hmm. a bar. In, in Wanchai, there was the bar. The Wanch. The Wanch. Yeah, the lunch. That was the official hash bar. Wonderfully too small for all the people that showed up. Great fun. Just great fun. Way to left. Uh, you instantly have a lot of friends and acquaintances, economical and just plain fun. I was hooked. Have you ever gotten lost on trail or hurt on the hash? No, not really hurt. I've been tore up a few times. I remember in Laos and Vientiane, tore up by the thorns. Fortunately, I never really got seriously lost. I might go off trail for a while, but I'm lucky in that manner. What happened next? I, I did go back to uh, the West Coast of Canada, to Vancouver. Much to my joy, there was a hash. It had been started by a Brit who'd moved from Hong Kong, Gopshite. It was good. Countryside there is fantastic. And we would do outstation runs and special events in Calgary. Go down to the States to Seattle, Portland. Those became big hash centers too. Let's see some of the big hashers there were Steve Shagger and Banshee and Bam Bam. Good hash. It would be 40-50 in those days. They would flip to Saturdays on the weekends in the winter. Otherwise, it was the traditional Monday night. And how long did you stay there? During that time, I had nostalgia for Asia hashing. The Duke of Puke would invite us out to his place in Thailand. Quite a few trips. My first interhash was KL in 98. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the Diamond Jubilee. Yeah. Yeah, 60 years. Then I was back in 2018 for the 70th. It was clear that hashing had just become a worldwide phenomenon. Then in 2000 or so, I moved for work over here to Ottawa. Then the Ottawa hash had also been started by uh, Tony Egan, George and Sinjin Quimby, and they had started back in 85. And again, they had their own traditions. I noticed that things were different than Vancouver. I guess some of it comes from whoever starts it. And how big was Ottawa hash? Again, very healthy. And as time has gone by, it's actually been more healthy than Vancouver. Vancouver faced challenges. People come and go. you got to recruit new people. Some serious hashers. We have one fellow, Fat Ass. He's Malaysian originally, and he's been hashing since 1973. The Ottawa Hash, as a group, does a lot of travel on the continent. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're suffering now because of this COVID thing, but we were doing a lot of traveling interhashes, Chiang Mai, who I went to Goa, Pan-Asia. I really like Panama, like Rosé said. I find some of these international events, the big interhashes, you know, have become big. But sometimes if you can get a continental hash like Panama or Savannah did, or Toronto did, uh, that's really special too. Ottawa hashers will turn up just at small events. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Weekend events. Are there some domestic or North American events too that where you don't have to get on a plane? People were always going down to commotion on the ocean. New Jersey, that that became a ritual. Because we're close to Montreal and Toronto, whenever there's something semi-important going on there, we'll be there. And the, the singing tradition, is that big in Ottawa? But I 
would say quite strong. I remember when I was in Cardiff, I was a bit surprised that some of the hashes over there just knew one song. And I'd say that the repertoire in Vancouver and Ottawa, we usually go through about half a dozen songs during the circle, which I think is pretty good. People actually seem to mumble the lyrics as if they know what they're saying. In Ottawa as a national capital, you certainly have expats that visit and live there and probably locals who work for the government and travel a lot. Are there some other long-term hashers from Ottawa that you've known a while? They came here or they knew about hashing and you have the diplomatic community, people overseas and they come back. There's the military here. We've got a guy named Have You, in former British military. He knew all about it. Guys like Multiple Entry, um, the Peter Eater, they've been around. We, we get that. One nice thing about being in the capital. There's one Ottawa hasher who shows up everywhere around the world, likes singing songs in the circle. You know, of course, Little Big Man. Yes, Little Big Man, the legend, yes. Who have you traveled with? Other people that influenced you about going to events or how you hash? Yeah, yeah, Little Big Man and his uh, partner, Chief Thrills. We've often gone to the anniversary of the Paris hashes. Now that's becoming a tradition with about six or seven of us. We were booked for Trinidad. We will rebook. Wash, Shredder, Corkscrewer. I can go on and on. There's, there's a hardcore here. The hash, as you mentioned, when you got back to North America, was kind of exploding in the U.S. with the growth of clubs, which brought different traditions. With your Asia background, North American background, how different do you find the hashes around the world when you travel? It's hard to maybe define entirely, but American hashes and Canadian hashes, there's a bit of a different flavor than in Asia. Very much uh, adapted to who started it when. No doubt about it, we have a younger group coming up in the States, which is great, and some innovative stuff about running and ceremonies. Uh, Corrigan from Oregon I've met, he could entertain a circle for hours with songs, and crazy in Seattle. They just brought stuff that was really remarkable. It was different and good. Have you run any circles or been on mismanagement through the year? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. In Vancouver and Ottawa, I was a GM and an RA. In Ottawa, I was a joint RA. And I really believe it's, you know, you want to try and you got to entertain the folks, make it light and quick and snappy. I think people like that. Try and involve as many people as you can. One thing that we organized when I was in Vancouver back in the 90s, I think it was 94, we had the Commonwealth Games interact. A guy named Pylon carried on promote that wherever it's happening. And I do believe that does happen. It, that gets less noted. There's none that's better or worse. Uh, they're just different and you just embrace it. Uh, there are traditions, there are rituals, some core stuff that you want. I like when everyone is introduced, uh, the, the trail explained, uh, especially if you have visitors. Now, when you say everyone introduced, like in Hogtown, you mean every single person around the circle I, naming off? Yeah, I like that. That was one kind of thing I did encourage in Ottawa, and they're now serious about that too. I, it just coalesces the group right away, and especially if there's somebody from out of town. Uh, do you collect and keep hash t-shirts and gear? Oh, too many. I've got cases full of them. T-shirts? T-shirts? T-shirts, yeah, T-shirts. The Duke of Puke and Phuket seemed to have a large enough place, and he had them crisply ironed, hundreds <laughs> of them, and hung up in closets. Mine are wow. not organized. Do you collect patches or anything? Yeah, I have that. I really like the souvenir mug. It's a challenge now for hash trash, I think, everywhere to go beyond T-shirts. I think that's really appreciated. You know, when I've gone to Interhash, and I like the hash market where you can find other things other than T-shirts, socks, clip-ons, hats. Do you still wear your pith helmet? 
No, I don't. I think it bit the dust. Ottawa Hashby did a nice COVID mask. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's like a, ha- a hashing logo or something. Peter Eater designed it. It shows the COVID virus getting a boot with a needle. It's got our name on it. Ottawa Hash name on it. Yeah, yeah. And later on, I was assigned to West Africa. Their hashing in Africa has taken hold. As a matter of fact, I was in a place called Abidjan, and there every Saturday there were almost 200 people out. Again, it was a place where it served a really important social social need, and, and it was all in French, too, which was interesting. I speak French. Once a month, there was an Anglophone one, too. I went to the Pan-Africa in Sierra Leone in Freetown. It was two years ago. That was great, too. So there's a new frontier of hashing out there. So you've been to Interhash, Pan-Asia, Inter-Americas, Inter-Africa, to a wide array of big international events. Is there any size that's too big or too small for events like that? Well, I, I wouldn't say you just, the world interhash now is that's it's thousands and thousands. And obviously it can be a challenge to find your friends and keep contact with them. They're great. Kind of have liked regional hashes like Portland. That was not too big yet. Panama and Savannah. As inter-Americas, yeah. That, that's a good, interesting insight because you've traveled widely to various events that not only different hash clubs, but different hash events have their own cultures. I found in Freetown, wow, they really laid it on with their dancing, the drumming, all these costumes from there. And when they organized trips to wildlife parks or things that they had there, that was into, you know, a hash vacation that's really memorable. Necessarily only we were taken to a chimpanzee reserve but it seemed once the chimpanzees heard that the hashers were there, they started hurling rocks at us. <laughs> well, they could have hurled bodily fluids too, so maybe they took it easy on you. Would you say you have influenced the hash or the hash has impacted your life in a big way? I think it has impacted my life in a big way because you can get to see the world. You can instantly have friends and contacts. And there's a philosophy that, hey, all that external stuff out there, just keep it in perspective. It's all about happiness and friendship and good times. Less is more. I'm now retired. I'm happiest with a t-shirt on, a pair of shorts, a cold beer in my hand, and friends around to share it. That is really the gift I think that the hash gave me. It's great. I really recommend it. That's a, that's a wonderful statement, I think, captures in you and the, the way you've had a hashing life, exactly the essence of hashing. That's wonderful. Okay, Deli Belly, one final question. Is the RA always right? <laughs> For your own good, I think you probably should say yes. I mean, some places the GM is pretty powerful too. So I would say the RA is always pretty well right, unless the entire pack thinks he's wrong. The RA is generally always right. Were you ever wrong when you were RA? Oh, a few times, yes, yes. The mob turned against <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank Deli Belly for dropping by the podcast today. Stay tuned for more episodes every week on the On On Podcast. Until next time, On On, this is Ra. To close the circle, here's the Hash Anthem sung by Mother Hash. Swing low, sweet child, coming
waiting for to carry me.